And hello, Jets fans. What a win today. The New York Jets get their second win of the season. And unlike last year, they didn't have to wait to December to get it. Defeating the Bengals 34-31 to in what was without question the most surprising and also the most impressive win of the entire NFL weekend. Mike White simply was cooking Mike white now making nfl history only the second quarterback in nfl history to throw for 400 or more yards in their debut joining cam newton he was incredible today a lot of great stuff to get to today make sure you reach out in the comments what you'd like to talk about and give your reaction jet fans but this this was just a breath of fresh air. It was great to get a big win, especially after last weekend losing to the New England Patriots. There's a lot to feel good about today. There's so much to talk about. Mike LaFleur, this offense, Robert Sala, what to expect on Thursday night football. But let's start with the man of the hour, Mr. Mike White cooking with gas. And Mike White was great. If you saw my preview on Thursday, I was saying, look, Mike White, could be a good fit in this system because he is not a guy that has a big arm. He's not a guy that's going to wow you throwing the ball vertically. And if he's accurate and they can get the ball out quickly and to these playmakers, because the Jets have guys that can make plays when they get the ball in their hand. Just get the ball out quickly, be accurate, and don't turn the football over. And granted, the stat sheet will say he had two turnovers, but really they were off wide receiver hands and they should have been either bad down to the turf or falling incomplete. He looked great today, highly efficient, 37 to 44, moving the football at ease against a very good team. And this isn't just a good football team. Coming into this game, the Bengals were the number one seed in the AFC. This was a huge win for the Jets and really impressive performance by Mike White and it was a it was an interesting week because all week the talk was Joe Flacco because Jets traded for Joe Flacco they traded a draft pick for him he didn't get there till Friday in the sense around the Jet community that I was getting was a bit of disappointment because people are saying well why did we trade this draft pick for Joe Flacco if he's not going to play on Sunday and I think you saw the reason why. This team was confident in Mike White. Now, from the outside looking in, it was hard to believe the Jets because Mike White had never played an NFL game. And granted, he is 26 years old. He's been on multiple practice squads. I get all of that. But if I was to tell any Jet fan, Mike White's going to throw over 400 yards and three TDs, people would say you were crazy. But Mike White... Did a great job, outstanding. And the Jets have something here, which is great. Now, I do also want to get to a little bit of the elephant in the room because I kept seeing this um, all after the game. It was people trying to start the quarterback controversy. Sal is saying, basically, I'm paraphrasing, that Mike White's going to be playing and that you know he doesn't see the outcome. And really, what's Sal going to say after a guy has a career performance like that? He's got to basically say that. And look, this is great for Mike White. I still don't think there's a quarterback controversy. Mike White has to continue to play well. Now, he had an unbelievable game. But let's see how he does on Thursday night against a good Colts team. Although this is a game where the Jets, it feels like they can win this game. And I'll get to that in a, at the end of the episode. 
But we have to see Mike White do it again. And the thing about the NFL is, and one of the reasons the NFL is great, is you can have performances like this from guys you've never heard of. They have once-in-a-lifetime performances, and they make a big name for themselves on one Sunday. But then that's it. And look, Mike White impressed me a lot. He was accurate. He was decisive. He made good judgment out there. He was moving the football. He was distributing. He wasn't locking on receivers. He was doing a very nice job out there. But the thing is, before you start even debating, and I kept seeing this on Jets Twitter with some fans going, well, you know, what, what's going to happen with Zach Wilson? Is this quarterback controversy? If Mike White continues to play like this, then yes, it's going to be a quarterback controversy. But let's see him continue to play. Let's see him when teams now get film on him, when teams now see what he does well, if they change their game plan. And overall, though, he had a very good performance. I'm not taking anything away from it, but I think people are already kind of jumping to the next step. Like Zach Wilson is this team's quarterback, but now this buys you time where if Mike White plays well or even plays decent, you don't have to rush back Zach Wilson. And Joe Flacco, really, what this tells me is this team backup quarterback and was capable, but they wanted just to be sure and having that extra backup. Now people are going to kill them, I know, for saying, well, why they trade for Flacco? This Flacco trade looks silly now, but they were put in a position where they felt they had to make that deal. And overall, though, you have to be thrilled with what this team did today. You have to be thrilled with the, what this coaching staff did because they didn't just lose last week. They were embarrassed last week. They were out coached last week. And to come back and put up a game plan like this and come from behind, this team was down 31-20 to 20 and they were able to come back. They ran a Philly special to get the two-point conversion. They looked really good in this game. They had great play call. And this is the other thing, and I'll get to Robert Sal in a minute, but Mike LaFleur, I know Zach Wilson likes having you on the sideline. But the difference between calling the game from up top and calling the game on the sideline was night and day. I mean, you could see the play calling was better. It was more creative. It was showing that he's able to get a better scope of what's going on from up top. And you even heard Robert Salas said, like, he's, he's not coming back down. We had 500 yards of offense. He's not coming down from the booth. And you have to keep him up there. And I know that's been a big debate. And now that you saw the results, and this was without question the Jets' best offensive performance. I mean, for for just look at the first drive. The Jets won 75 yards to score a touchdown on the first drive of the I, I felt that the that the Bengals were a little bit overrated. I felt that this was a good game for the Jets, and it felt like a trap game because the Bengals were a highly emotional win, probably their biggest win in five years. The Jets were coming off arguably their worst loss in five years. And they knew that they had to go out there. They had to perform. And they did that. And I got to give Robert Sala and this offense a ton of credit. They did an incredible job of making adjustments. Now, if I had to be critical about anything, it would be the defense, which gave up the 31st touchdown. And it just felt like the Jets defense broke at the end of the game. But then I got to give them credit because – they made the big interception, Shaq Lawson with the pick off of Joe Burrow. They made the plays that they need to down the stretch. And look, LaFleur we've been critical of. Every week in the NFL, it's amazing because you just look at one week and how the mood has changed. LaFleur looks really good all of a sudden. And you have to give this coaching staff a lot of credit too because I'm going to say this again. The Jets beat the number one seed in the AFC. 
And even though I think that's a little bit bogus that they were the number one seed, they're still a very good football team and will likely be a playoff team if Joe Burrow stays healthy. They beat that team with a backup quarterback. A backup quarterback that had never started an NFL game. So you have to give it to this coach staff. And I know that this coaching staff got taken behind the woodshed last week because of how badly they were embarrassed in Foxborough. You heard it on every national station. You heard it on every local station. Oh, my God, these Jets, like, they they were not prepared. They had two weeks to prepare. What was the game plan? They just look like a complete and total mess. They're a dumpster fire. And then you have to give them credit. And Robert Salas said it great after this game. He said, look, this is a young football team. There are going to be weeks like this where we look really good and look like we are a playoff caliber team. But he also said there are also going to be weeks like the Patriot week, albeit not as bad, but weeks where you're going, what's going on here? Like, what is going on here with this team? Like, shouldn't they be better than this? But this is a big one because everyone from top to bottom in this Jets organization over the last week was just getting lambasted from Joe Douglas not getting a veteran quarterback, from Robert Sala's game plan, from Mike LaFleur offensive coordinator. And it's only one week, but it seems like the tide for the moment has turned. And it's amazing what a win can do for you in the NFL. Because realistically, the Jets and their fans, they know this is a rebuild. They understand that this is probably at best a five-win team. But now they've gotten two wins over teams that are likely going to be in the playoffs, over teams that were better than the Jets on paper, and they did it early in the season. This, These are two good teams. This isn't the Dolphins. This isn't the Texans. This isn't the Jaguars. These are two legitimate playoff teams. And the Jets have pulled off two victories against them. So you have to give them credit and give them credit was due. And I felt last week, as Jet fans, if you were unhappy with the way this organization performed, you had every right to lash out. And I completely understood it. But I also felt that the overreaction was a little bit overblown. Because once again, this is a young team. And this is a team that's clearly in a rebuild. But you see they have some good young pieces with Quinn and Williams, another big game playing in the middle. You see that Elijah Barrett Tucker having another great game as, as an offensive line. Michael Carter, the running back, over 170 yards combined receiving and rushing. He looks like he can be a starting running back of the future for the New York Jets. You look, even like Jubari Zuniga, everyone's been killing Joe Douglas. Zuniga had a big sack in this game at a pivotal point. So, you have to also give Joe Douglas credit too, because he was he got his fair share of criticism this last week. And the criticism was everything from that this team not having a veteran backup from this team for then trading for Joe Flacco, then getting flagged for Flacco. That's saying, why are you giving up a draft pick for a veteran quarterback, especially one that's not going to play this week? And now you're playing Mike White. Now all of a sudden you're kind of going. Maybe Joe Douglas and this coaching staff wasn't as crazy as you thought. quarterback if he goes and plays well like i'm not even saying play great but if he looks like a serviceable game manager and they compete in indianapolis all of us mike white you have two very good possibilities on your hand and look i think it's a long shot that he's this franchise quarterback i know that 
we'll see. But if me, if he continues to play that, I mean, you got to keep rolling with him. But if you look at the situation right now, worst case scenario, if he continues to play decent, the Jets have found a backup quarterback for the next few years. And more importantly, they might have found a good trade piece. What if a team that's desperate for a quarterback in a year or two sees some good Mike White tape and gives you a valuable draft pick? You never know what can happen in the NFL. And you're looking at this draft class. I know that Joe Douglas's draft class has been ripped, and I've been one of the supporters of him. And I said, look, this draft class to me is more important than the last one because this is for this coaching regime. And you're looking so far. Elijah Vera Tucker has been good. Elijah Moore is coming along. Six catches today for 60-something yards. I think you're going to see him as he continues to develop, really become an explosive playmaker in this offense. Michael Carr, the running back, great performance today. And we saw the value of his pass-catching ability. I mean, you look from top to bottom. I mean, there's some decent players that they brought in this draft. So, I mean, everyone was just killing the Jets last week, and it just feels like a wait. Because if they got blown out in this game, it'd be totally different. Because then you're questioning, okay, whether they're going to do a quarterback. This team's one and five, and look at two and four. The optics are even better because if the Jets can somehow go to Indianapolis and pull off a win. And Indy's been like the funniest team in the NFL because every time I watch Indy, they play well, but they end up losing. It's going to be interesting for this game. We will preview that at the end of the show. Of course, if you guys want to put questions in the comments, I will love to answer them. But overall, I said you can't be – you have to be impressed with Mike Way. Again, it's one start. Everyone can have one great start. Let's see what he can do on it this but if he builds off of this and has another great start in indianapolis no one's going to be complaining the jets are getting good quarterback play i mean this is the best quarterback play this is the first time the jets had a quarterback throw for over 400 yards to touchdown since Vinny testaverde i mean no one's complaining about that so great game for mike white you're just so happy that a guy who has worked his tail off and a guy that has been on the practice squad forever, got an opportunity. And look, he took advantage of it and he made the most of it. And now he's really got a great opportunity because if Mike White goes out there and the Jets win on Thursday night football in the national spotlight, that is going to really help Mike White because not only then has he won two games in a row, he looks comfortable and confident, but more importantly, as Jets fans, he will endear himself to this fan base because Prime time for this team has been a nightmare. And it's not just about the losing. It's the embarrassing moments on prime time that have seemed to dog this franchise for the last decade. The only positive moment from a prime time game was Sam Darnold's debut. How many prime time embarrassing moments have there been with the Jets? Just think about last year even, the Thursday night game against a third-string Broncos quarterback in the Jets had God knows how many personal foul penalties. Sam Darnold gets hurt in that game. They can't even keep it close. They get absolutely boat raised. Then they lose in primetime again on Monday night football with a terrible interception. They have the Patriots dead up by 10, and they lose that game. Then, of course, the year before that, the Sam Darnold seeing ghost games. 
it's not just that the Jets lost on primetime. They got embarrassed. And then even earlier, you had Trevor Simeon, who's currently playing in New Orleans right now, playing the Browns in like the third snap of the game. He snaps his leg in half, and we have to watch the rest of the game with the Jets trying to move the football with a third-string quarterback against a decent Cleveland Browns team. It was just embarrassing. So if Mike White goes out there and wins a primetime game against a good indie team, Indy's a good team. Don't let the record fool you. They've had a rough year with injuries, but you look at their offense and defensive lines, they are a good football team. Carson Wentz is playing well. I can't explain how they're losing all these close games, but the Jets have a great advantage. They have great momentum going into this game. They're flying high. And also the expectations are low. Even after this win, people aren't expecting the Jets to win on Thursday night. They're expecting the Colts to get it together. And the Colts right now, a little bit banged up. Carson Wentz has been playing well. But if the Jets go into Indianapolis and get a win, it changes the entire dynamic of how you're looking at this season. Even this win. You feel like even with the trade deadline, and make sure to hit that subscribe button because we will be doing a trade a live feed right after. After the trade deadline on Tuesday, breaking down what the Jets did and didn't do. But sitting here now, I don't think the Jets are going to do anything. They're not going to trade C.J. Mosley. The most that they're going to trade is Jamison Crowder. But even Crowder had a great game today. And you're kind of feeling like, well, do we really want to? I know Crowder's not part of the future, but do we really want to hurt our quarterbacks, get rid of one of their favorite targets? To me, the only low point in this game The defense had great moments. The offense, of course, played well. But this was the biggest thing in this game, and this was the biggest disappointment to me, was Denzel Mims. Because I, like many of you Jet fans, have been pounding the table, standing up and screaming, get Denzel Mims involved in the game plan. And today... Golden opportunity, drops a touchdown. Only two catches for 30 yards. And you watch and you're going, come on, Denzel, this is your this is your moment. <clears throat> then and you're just like, okay. Even Keelan Cole makes an unbelievable catch along the sideline. Didn't count, but you're like, okay, Barrios came out and played great. Cole looked good. Moore looked good. Crowder looked good. And you're looking at Denzel Mims, and after this game, you're kind of going, look, you want to support Mims, but at the next breath, you're kind of sitting there going like, well, maybe this coaching staff, maybe this coaching staff, they're not wrong. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe that's it. But look at some of the comments. Great win. Mike White should start the rest of the season. Mike White should start as long as Zach Wilson's hurt at all and also as long as he continues to play well. If Mike White goes out there on Thursday night and doesn't play well, then then you can start debating about putting Flacco back in or, or putting Flacco in, I'm sorry. But really, like, I'll say this. If Mike White continues to play like this or play, he's putting up 300 yards passing and three touchdowns a week, I don't care how healthy Zach Wilson is. I mean, they might just look at this as an opportunity like, look, we got to ride the hot hand. We got to ride this out. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen for the rest of the year, but 
we've seen stranger things in football. And if Mike White continues to be this team's best option, might not be a bad thing for Zach to just step back and learn this system because he don't forget Mike White has a huge advantage. He's been in this league since 2018. He was on the Cowboys practice squad. He's been on the Gen since 2019. He knows a lot of these players that were here before. He's worked with them in practice. He's worked with multiple playbooks. I mean, Zach Wilson, like I know today feels like everyone's just dumping on Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson was also thrown out there being a rookie, being the number two pick in the draft, and basically having to learn a playbook while also having incredibly high expectations. And you got to give Mike White credit. He got an opportunity and he made the most of it. So, I mean, you look today, even like draft pick castoffs move well. Like Adoga came in and played well. I mean, Zuniga had a big sack. I mean, you would, you're wondering if he's going to see more time in the rotations. And, you know, once again, Mike LaFleur. I mean, this was a huge game for him. And like Robert House said, he's going to be upstairs now because he was the only offensive coordinator. I think the only other one was uh, Shanahan that was on the bench. And the reason you're up in the sky is so you can get a good view of the field. You can get that high angle shot. You can see everything that's happening. And if LaFleur has said he's more comfortable being on up top, but the reason he's on the field is because Zach Wilson wanted him there. And I know Zach Wilson, it's important to make him happy. But when you see the difference between LaFleur up top and LaFleur on the field, it's like, Zach, I know you want someone to talk to in your ear. We brought in Joe Flacco. He can maybe be that guy. But for what's best for this team is for LaFleur to be up top. And you saw creativity on the two-point conversion. You saw this off. It was fun. This is what the Jet fan, even if the Jets lost today, you still would have loved this game because it was fun football. It wasn't miserable football like you endured all of last year or during that Patriot game. And like I was saying it last week again, you have to give this coaching staff time. Is Robert Sala and Will Floor going to be great coaches? We don't know, but we have to give them some time. And even Joe Douglas, I mean, I understand that this is technically his third year on the job, but really for this regime, everyone, this is year one of a rebuild. And for Jet fans, I know it's hard and we don't want to hear it because we've heard this for the past decade. Oh, we're rebuilding again. Oh, we're rebuilding again. But everyone's timelines in the rebuild was off. Now everyone's is matching. Before it was always like, well, either the head coach felt they needed to make the playoffs or the GM felt they needed to make the playoffs or the ownership was pressuring one or the other. It was just a mess. And now the Jets have finally gotten rid of that mess. And it feels even better because you look around the NFL and everyone's saying, oh, the Jets are the worst team last week. And I'm like, look, the Jets are a young team, but they have some talent. I mean, I look at the lines in the Texans and everyone was loving the lines. I was like, oh, they're doing crazy stuff. And they have this, you know, they're being aggressive. and. I think we can put that argument to bed. Lions still haven't won a game. They got their doors blown off today. In the Texans, they got blown out too. And the only reason it did wasn't more lopsided was because Sean McVay did what he did against the Giants and basically pulled his starters with the last quarter and a half to go. And he's like, look, I have a Super Bowl roster. I am not risking anyone. He's not Bill Belichick, who's just trying to score as many points as possible just to make a point. So Mike White, unbelievable today. You have to give him credit and just listen to him in the post game. You know how much it means to him, how hard he's been working, coming from a small school, being able to finally get an opportunity in the NFL after not getting in Dallas and not getting it for years with the Jets, finally getting that opportunity and basically saying like after the game, he only wanted to see his family and talk about his family. 
Um, and you look, this Jet team, like they're not just beating once again. If this was two wins against like the Dolphins and the Texans, it feels a bit hollow. But you're beating two legitimate teams that are probably going to be either in the playoffs or competing for the playoffs with the Titans and with and today with the Bengals, and you got to give the Jets a lot of credit. And you saw a big difference on defense with Jared Davis and with C.J. Mosley out there because they have a lot of young guys on this defense, and they need those two out there to put everyone in the right places. And when they did, they were successful. And I believe last week one of the reasons they got killed was because they didn't have that veteran presence on the field, and you saw the big difference of it today. And this offensive line's playing a lot better. Elijah Vera Tucker looks like he could be a perennial all-pro bowler at guard. And, you know, you hope that George Fant can recover quickly. And I know the whole Makai Becton thing before the game was a little bit nuts, too. And now we'll see what happens with that situation. If you guys want me to talk about the Makai Becton situation, let me know in the chat. Uh, I just thought that, that that story before the game was... A little bit crazy, but I think now it's going to get forgotten because of this win. But you're sitting there as a Jet fan thinking about Indianapolis, and you're excited for a primetime game, not dreading it. Because I believe with Mike White, are the Jets going to win? I don't know, but I'll definitely be previewing it later this week. But I will say this. I feel like it's going to be competitive, and you're not going to get embarrassed. Like The Jet fan this year doesn't want to be embarrassed. They want to be able to say, look, my team's playing well or my team's got fight and my team's not a doormat every week. This is what you wanted to see, and you got it today. They played incredibly well. They looked well coached. They looked prepared. They made adjustments, and you saw fight in this team. They were down 11 in the fourth quarter. If this was an Adam Gase team, they would have folded, and they would have been like, okay, we're, we're going to prepare for next week. So, but they fought, they fought hard. They made big plays in this game. They finally got interceptions. I mean, this was a great win for the Jets and you just feel really good about being a Jet fan tomorrow, which is what you as a fan want. You want to be able to wear a Jets shirt or a Jets jersey on Monday and feel proud to be associated with that franchise. So this was a big win. I mean, the only two bummers in this game was Amendola missing the field goal, and you wonder if they're going to look at other kickers and Denzel Mims. Because once again, Denzel Mims, I've been pounding and screaming, and all of us have been wanting to see him, and today was his opportunity. And really, like, wasn't better than Moore. wasn't better than Crowder. I mean, Cole made a great catch. I mean, he had a touchdown catch he just let drop. Like, I'm sorry. Like, with Denzel Mims, like, we see the potential – but are we asking the question, like, is he putting in the work at practice? Is he really impressing this coaching staff? We don't know. And I know it's easy to bash this offensive staff and bash this coaching staff when the Jets couldn't score points in the first quarter. But if they keep playing like this and looking crazy like this on offense and Dental Mintz doesn't play, then you have to be like, okay, well, this coaching staff looks like they know what they're doing. So they know something that we don't know. As opposed to, well, this they can't move the ball on offense and they're not playing one of their better players. So, but once again, like this was just one of the funnest games we've had as Jet fans in a long time. And am I the only one too? Like, I know this is going a little bit off topic, but am I the only one that's like, it feels like the, all the Jets' big wins of the last couple of years have come in the black jerseys. 
Like, does anyone else kind of want to say to Woody Johnson, hey, can we just wear the black jerseys at home all the time? Because I don't know if, if the guys just love the black uniforms. I don't know if they just feel tougher or they just – I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's vibes, but they just seem to love wearing the black uniforms. They always seem to play better. Like, even the loss of the Patriots last year on Monday Night Football, they wore the black, and that was a game you thought they were going to get killed, and they actually made a competitive Monday Night Football game. Like – I guess Jet fans, do you want to see him wear the black all the time? Because it just, for some reason, I don't know what it is, but it seems like whenever I think of like the biggest moments of like the last five years, and it's not many, like one of the biggest moments to me was the Jamal Adams just stripping Daniel Jones and running in for a touchdown, the black uniforms. It's like, it just feels like all the big moments happened in the black uniform. Sam Darnold with a great touchdown run against the Broncos. Like all the big moments as Jet fans are kind of like, they're on the black uniforms. It's like, can we wear like the black uniforms that twice a year, like maybe four times a year or five times a year, or at least until they lose games in the black uniforms? I mean, I don't know. I would love to hear what your your guys' thoughts are, the black uniforms. Um, yeah, like I'm saying you guys think they look good in the black. I would like to also see like them mix it up, like with the green socks or do like the black jersey with like the white pants. I think that would look sharp or even on the road where the black pants, I think that would look good just to mix it up. I, I love the black. I wish there was a little bit more green in terms of like the socks or something, just instead of the monotone black. But I mean, of all the current uniforms, like they do look some of the best and they, for some reason, I can't figure this out, but they play better in the black, black uniforms. And I mean, Woody, I already tweeted at you earlier today. I mean, Woody, until they lose at home, keep wearing the black. Keep wearing the black, and keep, especially if Mike White's the quarterback. Let Mike White cook in those black uniforms. So it's just going to be it's going to be an interesting forty eight hours for this team because I, I really don't think they're going to be selling at the deadline. I think the pl- only player I could see them moving is Crowder just to get a little bit more time and playing time for Elijah Moore in the slot, Braxton Berrios. And I feel like you can get a decent pick from at this point. I don't think you're getting a lot for May. He has not looked great in the last two weeks. He's looked okay, but with the DUI hanging over, not playing a premium position, I, I just don't, I just don't see him getting a premium price. And plus if the jets, I'm going for agency, they can get a com- compensation pick for a third or fourth round pick. So if that's going to be the case and a team's not going to give you anything better than a fourth round pick, just let him play out the season, get a valuable veteran player that's going to help the back end of this defense, and then go from there. Where are the chances that the Jets are a buyer? They're a buyer depending on the price. Now, I I unfortunately didn't have time to do – I was going to do my top five trade targets – for this team, but I can talk to you a little bit about them now because I'm not going to be able to get to that, unfortunately, before the deadline. I apologize. But uh, I was saying like two targets I'd like to see them go after are O.J. Howard and Hayden Hurst, uh, just because I know they're tight ends that are going to be free agents, but they're in their mid-20s. They're guys I feel like because of their situations haven't gotten playing time because you look at Gronkowski in Tampa Bay and you look at uh, you know Pitts now in Atlanta. I mean, these are guys that I feel can come in and help these whoever the quarterback is develop. And if they play well, I feel like even though you'd have to pay them, they wouldn't be an absorbent contract. So those are two guys I would have really liked them to see. Uh, 
offensive line is going to be incredibly difficult because no one's giving up offensive line men. Uh, one person I thought they should target, even though he's 30, is Andrew Norwell, the guard for the uh, Jaguars, because I know they're trying to get one of their young guys in there. But, I mean, if you can get Norwell for like a day three pick just to replace Greg Van Roten, I think that would be an upgrade to this offensive line. I mean, you're not going to get a tackle unless you're going to play a premium price. And look, I, I think Joe Douglas is willing to deal for a young ascending player, a guy that could help if it's like a day three, like if it's a fifth round pick or later, I think he can serve, but he's not giving up a premium capital, like a second or third round pick. And I mean, could the jets be buyers? I mean, could the jets sneak in if they continue to play? Well, I mean, their second half of the schedule is definitely a lot easier but the hard part for the Jets are you're in a very competitive AFC. And I mean, you still haven't played Buffalo yet. That's and even as good as the Jets have looked in this game, I don't think you're being Buffalo twice. I mean, so I think realistically you're losing twice to Buffalo. I think you could beat Miami twice because Miami's just an absolute mess. But I mean, even if you beat Miami twice, you beat Houston and you beat Jacksonville, who are teams I really think the Jets could beat. That's six wins. I feel like you at least need to get to nine. Now, could they pull off a chance? Like maybe, but I mean, it will be interesting. Um, Solomon Jess. I'm going to talk about Corey Davis. I feel like without Davis on the field, everybody had their turn. Maybe it was white. Felt like Wilson always forced to Dave. You bring up a great point about Davis, and I was going to talk about this. So thank you so much for bringing it up, uh, Solomon. Uh, always great questions as always. With um, – to me, Davis, it was more Wilson was locking on to Davis. I feel like in training camp, he really developed a great rapport with Wilson. Um, especially like you look the training during the preseason, Elijah Moore was hurt, Crowder wasn't there. I mean, he really had that time to develop with Corey Davis and in the preseason when they're playing off and they're not paying playing super difficult coverages. I mean, he became a go-to target, and the problem was once the regular season started, teams started bracketing Corey Davis. They started, you know, really trying. And look, Corey Davis is a very good receiver. Is he a number one receiver? No, but even with the contract the Jets gave him, they pay him to be a very good, talented two with one upside. And to me, with Mike White, the big difference is, spreading it around. I mean, he threw the ball eight times to Crowder, six times to Moore, multiple times to the running backs. The touchdown for the the go-ahead touchdown was to, I believe, Griffin or one of the tight ends. I mean, the big thing with White, which was the most, which was impressive about him too, wasn't just the accuracy and getting the ball out quickly, which helped also this, this offensive line because, I mean, we can talk about Wilson's struggles with the offense and I'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, to me, it was more of him just spreading the football around. I mean, if Corey Davis was on the field, I do think Corey Davis would get his touches and would be a productive receiver. But to me, Zach Wilson as a rookie found Corey Davis to be his favorite target, was seeing him make plays and was basically like, okay, if I need a big player, I need a, a first down or conversion. I'm going to force it to Corey Davis. And that's one reason he struggled against the Patriots in week two is because a lot of those times he was trying to force the ball to Corey Davis when the guy wasn't there. And with Wilson, I mean, a lot of the struggles, I think, have been on him. And you look at LaFleur today. I mean, one of the things about the system is quick reads and getting the ball out quick. And White 
whether it's being familiar with the playbook, whether it's just the reps, whether it's just being a little bit older and being able to process information, he was able to go through those reads quick and was able to get the ball out quick. And that also helps with the offensive line. I mean, Wilson, to me, I think because he has that great arm, he wants to show it off. He wants to be able to prove to people that he is worth the pick. And he wants like when you can throw it that well, 50 yards, I mean, you want to make big plays, but with the state of this offensive line and what this offense is built around is you could hit those big shots in the game, but you can't be looking to hit those shots every other third play. You need to basically establish quick passes, quick rhythm, getting the ball out quick. And I do think Wilson's going to learn that in time. But he's also a rookie. I mean, he's also a baby. I mean, we, we see up and downs. I mean, Trevor Lawrence had a bad game today. Justin Fields had his best game as a pro after having like his worst game as a pro last week. So, I mean, there's still a lot to grow with this team, but I, I do don't think that this team was better because Corey Davis wasn't on the field. I believe it was a situation where they had a quarterback that was distributing and making it difficult for the defense to try to take one guy out of the play. Uh, Nino, we need to build that offensive line with some studs in the trailer draft. Hey, I've talked about this. I would not be shy if the Jets take two offensive linemen in the first round. I mean, I lo- really love the kid, the center from uh, uh, Iowa. I believe that I would love to see the Jets try again with the Seattle pick. And I've been on the record saying I believe that they should take Neil if he's there in the first round. And I've talked about this before, but I'll paraphrase it. And it actually fits into well with everything going with Makai Becton. The Jets cannot go into the 2022 season expecting Makai Becton. And I love Becton to be their left tackle. And I think if you draft Neil, does two things. You either have two stud tackles and you have an elite offensive line, or at the very worst case scenario, if Becton gets hurt again, you have a legitimate great insurance policy for a left tackle to basically, yeah, Linderbaum and Neil um, on that offensive line. And plus, if you bring in Linderbaum, you can move Connor McGovern over to guard. And look, McGovern, is he an elite offensive lineman? No, but is he more than capable starting guard? Absolutely. And he takes away Greg Van Run. So I'm all for that. And with Neil, I really believe, once again, I've said this with Mekhi Becton, as a, even if Mekhi comes back and plays unbelievable, doesn't miss a snap the rest of the season when he comes back from injury, you cannot plan on him being your left tackle for 17 games next year because he has gone now, he's going to go through two seasons where he's barely played 50% of the season. And um, I know a lot, there's that article that came out about his weight today and that the jets were frustrated with his weight. I mean, this was something we've been hearing about for a year and a half and his maturity. Now there's a side to every story. I believe that Becton feels that he's doing enough to get in shape and doing enough to be out there. But the jets are also looking at this saying, Look, we made you a number a first round pick. We're paying you a lot of money and we need you to handle your weight because we believe that your weight is causing you to miss plays, is causing you to not be that you're at your most effective, but more importantly, getting hurt. Because Becton Becton cannot make an impact for this team if he is not on the field. So how many more games do you think above average QB people would take for white to take the job for the rest of the year? If, if white comes out and wins the Thursday night game and plays well, and even is a game manager or they play close. I think the big test is going to be the bills. Now 
they're saying reports that Wilson could be back for the Bills. I wouldn't play Wilson regardless. I just would let him get an extra week. And I just, that Bills team is an elite team. And I just feel like your first game back after a major injury, that wouldn't be a good place to be dropped into. But if Mike White goes out there over this next stretch, and like let's say even the Bills, they lose, but he plays well, and they somehow beat the Colts. Like if the Jets go two and three with Mike White as the starting quarterback, and he's playing well, I don't think that they're going to go right back to Wilson because they could, like I said, they could use this as a reason to play the hot hand, play him until this doesn't work because the worst thing is going to happen is you're just increasing Mike White's value to this team, either as a great backup or as maybe a potential trade asset. For all we know, some team might really value Mike White at the end of this season and give the Jets a really good package. I mean, we've seen teams do crazier things with quarterbacks, and especially if, like, let's put this scenario out there. If Mike White plays well, and then all of a sudden he has a bad game, and the Jets make the move back to Wilson, and Wilson plays well in the end of the season. Mike White's still going to have enough good tape where I think he's going to get value and especially this year, this this NFL draft class, you're looking at quarterbacks, it's not really good. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to need a quarterback. I feel a lot of teams would rather take a gamble on Mike White potentially and give the Jets a decent draft pick, like maybe a late second or third, than trade up or give a number one pick to some of these quarterbacks in this draft. Because I've been scouting this draft and – for me right now, Malik Willis is the number one quarterback in this class. But he's a unique case because to me, he's like a Lamar Jackson in terms of if you draft him, you need to customize the offense around him and what he does well. If you put him in a standard situation and kind of what, a little bit what Justin Fields has gone through. I feel like Matt Nagy hasn't really done a great job of incorporating his athleticism and what he does well, and he's trying to run a little bit more of a pro system. And you're seeing the flashes there, but not the consistency. I think that that could be a struggle. So um, I, I do think that that could be something to keep an eye on. But, I mean, look, for all – all we know Mike White can go out Thursday night and not play well because now they got film on him. So as long as he's playing well, it's a good problem to have because as a Jet fan, when was the last time you had good and consistent quarterback play? I'll wait until you give me the answer because uh, it probably is going to take you a while to figure that out. Zuniga's sighting finally, sack and fumble. Yep, Jabari Zuniga coming in off the bench, doing having a big play in the game. It'll be interesting to see if they – can use him a little bit more. And Zuniga was fascinating because I know the Jets and Joe Douglas got killed because they put him on the practice squad and they're like, oh, see, that draft was terrible. But don't forget when they drafted Zuniga, he was to fit that 3 4 scheme. They're thinking about using him as a stand up edge, maybe a defensive end in that system. And now they've gone to the 4 3 system. Uh, it'll be interesting if he plays next week because Bryce Huff should be back. And look, I mean, force of Phil said this, best Jets quarterback controversy ever. I mean, let me ask you, Jet fans, would you rather have two decent quarterbacks that you're you're wondering, like, who's the better option to play? Then, oh, my God, we have two god-awful quarterbacks, and which ones are we, like, 
well, which one will embarrass us the least? So, I mean, you have to be impressed with Mike White. He played great. Obviously, his teammates love him. You heard it in the post-game contest. You heard everyone in the post-game basically talking about how hard he works. I mean, you've heard from his coaches all week, his former college coaches, how hard he works. And look, in the NFL, all you need is an opportunity. And there are guys that, you know, get overlooked and that never get a fair opportunity. And look, Mike White got an opportunity today. And it was an opportunity that many people and many Jet fans, if you were honest, before that ball was kicked off today, you felt like he was going to fail. Like if I was to put up a poll, and I should have done this in retrospect, I was like, before the game, who would you have had more confidence in this game, Joe Flacco or Mike White? I believe most Jet fans would have said Joe Flacco and not Mike White. But it's fun that we're even having this conversation because many of you probably were like me. You were thinking about, okay, trying to find the silver lining to this game, trying to see how this team would develop. But now we're talking about like this offense looking good. It looks like LaFleur, like when he's up top, at least, it looks like he, there's something there with this coaching staff. There's something there. And yes, Solomon Jets, I said this at the top of the episode. I said the two picks on, White weren't his fault. The one-off Carter, that hit him in the hands, and Crowder hit him in the hands. And this is one thing that irks me with receivers is, like, they they really need to work on when they're getting the ball. Instead of pushing up and popping the ball up, just force it down. It's better just to have an incompletion than popping it up for a pick, and that's what basically happened. How many times have you seen, like, those pop-ups that just go pop up in the air, and you're just like, okay, this is going to get picked off. Um yeah, White had great numbers in college. And look, Mike White, I think, fits this system well. And I believe that's one of the reasons the Jets didn't make the move because in this system, you don't need to have an elite arm. Does it make you better? Yes. But this system, this West Coast system, is about timing. It's about getting the ball out quick. And it's about reading defenses. And he looked very comfortable doing that. He got the ball out quick. And this fits more what he does best. He's not a guy... I think I looked today, and I believe this is right. I'll have to double-check it after the episode. But I saw that I think he only threw the ball down the field over 10 yards once today. I mean, he's not a guy that you're going to want to throw the ball down the field or really push the ball. But if you're able to get the ball out quickly and get to your playmakers, and look, the Jets receivers, are they guys that are going to burn you like a Jamar Chase and stretch the field vertically? Not really, but these are guys that are shifty and they are good in space and they make plays in space. So if you give them the ball and they have a little bit of daylight, they can make stuff happen. And we saw that today. Uh, how about Bryce Hall and Jamar Chase? I thought I did. Saw, I, I did too. I mean, Jamar Chase, with this Bengals offense, you knew they were going to hit big plays. I mean, even the Higgins amazing catch, like that was perfect coverage. You couldn't have covered him better on that play. And Look, the Jets' corners don't get enough credit about how well that they have played this year. And this was a good test. And I said this in my preview show. I said, like, look, this Jet team, I believe they're going to have a shot because their defense, that they're going to allow a lot of yards, but they don't allow the big vertical plays. And really, you didn't, you saw big plays, but they weren't like big plays that were 55 yard touchdowns or 75 yard touchdown passes. And this is the one thing about the Bengals where I felt they were overrated because coming to this game, we all talk about this offense, but they're 25th in yards and they were 24th in points, I believe. 24th or 25th. You know, well, wait a minute, this is a high opponent offense. 
it's because they're, and you saw it today, they're big feast or famine offense. If they're not getting those big chunk plays down the field, they're not really a sustainable offense. And like Hall's done a very good job this year. Michael Carter, the, the cornerback, has done a very good job. You hope he is good. And look, the Jets had turnovers today. They weren't perfect on offense, but this defense bailed them out in key situations. That fourth and goal stop in the beginning of the game was huge. And I believe a big momentum point and a big jumping off point for this team in this game. So, I mean, you look, the Jets turned the ball over. Like, how many times have we said this? Like, the Jets had more than two turnovers and won a football game. It felt like if the Jets turned anything over, they had one turnover in a game, they were going to lose poorly. And they still won today. So, seeing that was great. Seeing that development was great. And look, we want to see development. We're seeing these young corners play well. We're seeing Quinn and Williams play well. Now, John Franklin Myers, once again, no sacks today, but... I also think because of the contract and because of how well it was doing the first couple of weeks, people have been focusing on him and they've been able to take him out a bit of a game plan. Don't forget the Jets. They've lost a lot of the defensive line. I mean, Curry, they lost in the preseason, lost and they lost in the preseason. I mean, despite that, they're still being able to get pressure. And even today, they didn't have Bryce Huff. I mean, Bryce Huff's been one of their best edge rushers. I mean, they were really thin on the defensive line today and they still were able to get to Joe Burrow put him on his back, get pressure on him, and he did a very good job. Now, would you like to see his defense make some bigger plays or maybe you know hold them and not let him get to 31 points? Absolutely, but you're seeing progress and you're seeing some young players. You're like, okay, they have a future here and they can be good football players. And you're seeing that running back with Michael Carter and the defensive back Michael Carter. I mean, 